Hello and welcome to episode 477 of Fergal on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going pretty good, Andrew Ferguson. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, I've got over one of my 37,000 different illnesses that I'll get this year. So, you know, balls balls rolling. I'm off to a good start. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing better than some people within rugby league. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I assume you're talking about Luke Brooks. Well, yeah. yeah. Let's go with More that. <laughs> so we had some really weird news that happened overnight in rugby league in that France is no longer hosting the 2025 Rugby League World Cup. And it's basically has happened because the French organising committee has been unable to basically secure funding to underwrite the tournament from the French government, which is completely understandable if you've got any idea about what is happening in France right now and the general economic outlook of planet Earth at the moment. Um, you know, there are a lot of people online saying, oh, this is Vichy France and all that sort of stuff. It's just a case of a tournament that is too expensive in yeah. its current form. And yeah. a government has looked at the books and said, there's no way in hell we're going to underwrite all your losses that you are going to incur. And so, no, we can't support that. Um, what were your thoughts when you heard the news? The first thing I heard, because I, I saw a thing saying France will no longer be hosting the 2025 World Cup. Mm-hmm. And my first thought before I read into it was, oh, it looks like we're having the 2025 World Cup in England again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you see French government and you go, oh, okay, what have they done now? And so, yeah, I can see how people have gone without reading into it. You read like a few little keywords here and there and you immediately think the worst has happened here. The government's gone and you know, screwed over the French Rugby League once again. But, yeah, it's definitely that's definitely not the case. No. Um, the one thing, though, that disappoints me, and, yeah, I'm going to go back in history, is when the first World Cup was set up by France, the French Rugby League, not the government, because the government had no interest in Rugby League then, but the French Rugby League funded the costs, the expenses for every single team that competed in it. Mm-hmm. They did it all off their own bat just to get the first World Cup off the ground. Mm-hmm. And this is the first World Cup in France in decades. Why can't the RFL and the NRL or ARL um, put their hands in their pockets and help out with the costs just a little bit? You, you don't have to fund the whole bloody thing, but just enough to get the French government to say yes. Because if you can minimise that, that loss to the French government by any significant amount, mm-hmm. it might have been enough for them to go, yeah, you know what, let's do this. Um, just, I just think it's something that we should have, there should have been some some amount of effort, but it feels but, like not like a good rule gesture all over again. To, yeah. to pay back the, yeah, I see what you mean. But it's just like the 50s all over again when, when French were busting their ass to try and make this happen all on their own. England and Australia especially um, both just went, no, we just don't want a bar of anything you're trying to organise. And they were basically dragged 
onto the field to play in this World Cup and after it was done and they saw that not only was France able to make enough money out of the tournament to not only pay all the expenses for all the clubs that they forked out, but they actually made a profit as well. They went, mm-hmm. this World Cup thing's not a bad idea, you know. <laughs> I, but I think that the key thing there is is the key word is profit, you know. Yeah, and look, it was easier to do in the 50s as well because rugby league was booming all around. Like, it was – it's fair to say that it was probably one of the absolute strongest times in international rugby league as far as we had some of the best teams of all time at an international level at Australia, in, especially in France and in England. And so that World Cup was um, – that was going to be anybody's – they – France tried to get both Wales and America into it. Yeah. England just didn't want either of them in there. They wanted to keep Great Britain as it was. They didn't want to weaken their own side. And they didn't want America in there because I don't know why. They would have had some stupid reason. Probably, oh, you know, they don't have their own competition. They haven't been playing international footy. Why should they be in there? That sort of garbage. But France were working so hard to try and make this a truly global thing. They tried it in the in the early thirties, not long after they actually created their own um rugby league competition in thirty five. Thirty three. Yeah. Thirty four, yeah. sorry, thirty four. They were automatically then trying to get a World Cup going. So it took another twenty years before they got the thing off the ground. And it was all them. No one else was involved in it. It was all France. And so it I'd just like to see the rest of the world when when this opportunity came along to just go, you know what? Let's see what we can do. Let's have some chats with the French government and the, the French Rugby League. Let's see what they need in order to get this across the line so that France can have a World Cup because it would have been immense for French Rugby League. I, see, the way I look at it is a, a little bit different. I understand. I mean, you and me were both really excited when France was announced as the, mm. the World Cup host. And, you know, it's... it's just was looking forward to it. It's going to be a really great thing for the game. Um, but the fact that the World Cup in its current format loses so much money is not a shock. You and me were talking about how the last World Cup uh, last year had a real whiff of the 2000 World Cup about it. And unfortunately, we were right because it must have lost a shitload of money. You, we talked about what we saw on the field. I mean, it was just boring. Like, remember them all those memorable matches from that World Cup? Basically the ones Samoa played. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, you know, weren't we all excited to see the, the incredible win by Australia? Like, and that's taken nothing away from Australia. Australia was one of the few teams that actually turned up. Um, plenty of other teams didn't turn up to to play in the World Cup, but um, you know it, it was this giant blow to drawn out competition that was lopsided. Um, the venue choice was poor. It's a lot of the venues were actually dangerous, and I think the fact that we had that running alongside a women's World Cup, which was an absolute non-event. And it's probably the biggest disaster of all of the World Cup. Well, the just thing, there was actually four World Cups that went on. Because yeah, you had well, the that, well, that's physical disability saying. one and the wheelchair one as well, yeah. which is, I think, the first time we've had all four running concurrently. And guess um, what? It's fucking expensive to do that. Yeah. And, and guess what? 
when you have all of that shit going on, you got to pay for all that accommodation. You got to pay pay for all sorts of stuff, and it makes it really expensive to run a World Cup. On top of the fact that the Men's World Cup is a big bloated competition, which was just it was boring, you know. And so I wasn't shocked that the French government looked at it and said, "We're not underwriting your loss-making venture. Go away." So I've got a question then, because yeah. there was a for two World Cups, yeah. they had a very unique and an entirely different system set in place where, mind you, this is in a time when we used to have um, test series, three-match test series, and the third test of every series between the nations involved was the World Cup game. So you didn't actually have to go and have a, a World Cup tournament. Yeah, see, was, I hate that. It was over three or four years, but yeah. it might open up an idea. It doesn't have to be over that long a period. But it does open up an idea that you could probably work on where instead of having an entire tournament where in the current situation that we have, mm. have these games being played. But instead of getting it down to just having, a, say, like the final eight teams or, you know, the final four teams or something like that, just have those final few teams or it could even be the final six, right? And over two weeks, they can play each other once and just have a final between the top two teams. And you cut down the amount of teams that are travelling over there. You're still having a World Cup event. Um, it's much shorter. It's much more condensed. You're still getting the best teams in the world. Um, and there's a fair chance that you're going to reduce the amount of ridiculous blowout scorelines at the actual event. Do you reckon I, I that th- might be something or some tweak on that? No, it look, be a better I, idea. I think the whole thing was made... I mean, first of all, the International Rugby League being involved in anything, they're going to ruin anything. They just are. It's a bunch of people that are just hopeless at what they do. Um, All they do is put out press releases, you know, patting themselves on the back. Uh, I I think that it is really, really simple what you do with World Cup. You make it a much smaller tournament, okay, you get rid of all of these teams that are going to get flogged no matter what. What is the World Cup supposed to be? Are we supposed to be looking for the world champion or are we using it as a de facto way to have smaller nations play games? Okay. Now, for me personally, I think it should be we all gear up to find out who the best rugby league playing nation is. And it shouldn't be what Australia did, which was basically just you know, play at 80% of their best through the entire tournament and win it all. Uh, we saw a lot of teams that were very good that would have been really good matchups that we never saw face off against one another. We saw highly uncompetitive games. We need less teams. I would just have an eight-team tournament. Well, I mean, that, that's what I was getting at, though. You can still have a system in place in the le- in the years between World Cups where teams are playing for a place to be in that that final eight, right? So they can play these one-off tests and stuff like that, but every result is going to determine whether you're going to get to the World Cup or not. You can set a structure around that to make sure that it makes sense and it's logical. I think the, yeah. the end goal has to be when World Cup comes around, we have decided through on-field results and nothing else, these are the eight best teams in the world and these are the ones that are going to vie for the title. I think you would find 
there would be organisations around the place that would game the system and we will end up with non-rugby league entities like fucking Wales being in the World Cup ahead of teams that could actually have a chance to do something in a World Cup. No, no, it's a simple way around that, okay? Have regional competitions so we can have a Pacific Cup out here, have the European Cup in England, or maybe a, a Great Britain Cup, all right? The winner of that competition is the team that goes through to the World Cup final. So if no. Wales can beat France, Scotland, Ireland, and England, mm-hmm. you're off to the World Cup. But if they can't beat them, bad luck. No. No? No. I, I think we've just got to use some common sense. But, and... I mean, that, that's got to be a way to circumvent the issue that you raise. No, and I'll tell you why. Because most of the most of the countries that can actually play rugby league to any any level at whatsoever is in it's Australia, New Zealand, and the Pacific Islands. No, I understand that. Okay, so but, but here's the thing: you'll get you'll get people in Europe mostly who will be like, "Well, why should the Pacific Islands have you know five teams in the competition and we don't even get one?" It's because you can't play rugby league. That's why. You know, I think that we just need some common sense. I could I could put together an eight-team World Cup right now that would have every single game would be interesting to watch, and the only team from Europe would be England. Yeah, that, um, look, that's the sad reality that we have now. But we've yeah. got to try and create some sort of um, system or structure in place because it it is not always and it should not always going to be that way so there needs to be a system where teams can go you know what if we can get you know we can work on our juniors and get stronger and you know who knows okay in 20 years time greece might end up having their own strong domestic competition or the usa might get their shit together and have one unified competition for a change and they've got all of those nfl rejects that they've got them they've trained up to be rugby league players and goddamn they've got a brilliant side they need to be able to know that there's a genuine pathway for them to get into the World Cup other than just we go, well, we know the, the Pacific Islands teams are going to be the strongest ones. We need to make sure there's a way we can keep testing teams to see who deserves to be in there and who doesn't. Um, that's for, what all the other test match, all the other international rugby leagues should be about, though. That's what I've been getting at. Yeah, like, but that's what we've got to have for those years between the World Cups. Those test matches, are, are we've got to have a structure or a system in place so that what they're doing is clearly defined, it's mm-hmm. basic and easy to understand, and it leads to them getting towards a World Cup. Um, whether it's test matches against... I, I, I don't like the idea of them just playing tests against teams in their own sphere. Yeah, yeah, because that I, I just... It, they become yeah. really strong against a bunch of other no-hope nations. That's right. They only yeah. get as strong as the... Um, as their next strongest team. And we don't know how strong they are. Like the Americans is a good example. How strong are Jamaica, Canada and the USA compared to everybody else? If you're not playing them, you never know. So you're only in, in that little realm, you're only going to be as strong as the second worst team, aren't you? That's all you've got to beat. Yeah, true. But so, uh, I mean, I, I just, <clears throat> I, I think that the problem that we have though, is that it, it, we're not soccer. Right. And a lot of people that 
would love us to be soccer. You and me would love us to be soccer. We would love to have a 32-team tournament where the whole world is watching it. It'd be great, but we're not. That's not what we are. We've got eight teams that can put together a competitive World Cup, and, and that's stretching it. Um, and, and we've got to focus on that. And the reason we have to focus on that is because you look at the last World Cup, it was boring. Australia won it, and it obviously lost a hell of a lot of money. And we can't be doing that in the International Rugby League. We don't have the funds to waste away. You know, it, this is it's the same sort of thing that worries me about the NRLW competition. I don't want anybody to ever be able to step in and say, you know what, this thing loses money, let's get rid of it. Because that's what eventually happens. Yeah. In rugby league, someone says, "Oh, yeah, lost a bit of money. Let's can it." And, and it's very easy to kill stuff that way. Obviously, international rugby league in the World Cup lost a lot of money last year, despite all of the press releases and the international rugby league people patting themselves on the back. Um, France isn't willing to throw money at the sport, and I, I totally get that. I think that that's fair enough, but. Uh, I, I think it just shows what a failure last year's World Cup was and everything that the International Rugby League pretended to build has just been a failure to the point where we've got a World Cup host that just cancelled on us. Yeah. Um, okay, so about this? Instead of... What we do is we take the, the final four teams, okay? So the two teams in the World Cup final, Australia-Samoa, and the other two mm-hmm. semi-finalists, New Zealand and England. And have those four teams do not have to go through the qualifying process. They're automatically in the next World Cup. So we've just got four places left to go. So what we need to do then is have um, the remaining, say, what is there, 51 teams. So the remaining 47 nations, we need a system whereby they have to play each other to determine um, who goes who goes through to those final four places in the World Cup. Now, obviously, you can't just go and have um, every nation playing every other nation at least once, as much as that would be the fairest and smartest way of doing it. It's not financially viable. Mm -hmm. You can't ask Argentina to host, you know, (laughs) 43 games or go and play 43 games around the world or or vice versa, even half of that. Um, And, you know, you don't have Argentina playing against Fiji because that's would be messy. So mm-hmm. there's got to be a process whereby we can we can differentiate between which teams need to be playing each other at their own level or which teams we can probably automatically just go, you know what, let's have two different World Cups, so to speak, one for, which I currently have, one for the emerging nations. So we need a cutoff point. At what point are you an emerging nation and what point are you a nation that's going to be involved in the full World Cup? All right, cut that group in half. So then you're down to 26 teams vying for the last, or 20, 22 teams vying for the final four spots in the World Cup. That sounds a lot more plausible. I would just make the World Cup invitational. Yeah. I know, but like we have to look at. But the problem, the problem you raise though is, and it's a valid one, 
mm-hmm. is having nations like Scotland, Ireland and Wales all getting in there, but they're all going to have more money to be able to afford to come in invitation-wise than, say, Germany or Greece will. I wouldn't have Scotland, Ireland or Wales in there. No, but if you have an invitation process... Oh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I'm not sending yeah. them invitations. it's just like i I think that i don't know i I, want to see the world cup all the combatants in that world cup Mm -hmm. having a genuine path and they've earned their way there i think it's an invitation only then you're kind of opening up to that hit and miss it's it's kind of like what we've had with previous world cups where there was no real process involved just going let's let's bring russia into the world cup why? How? Yeah, but that was Russia. That like, if if you have an eight team World Cup, right? Mm-hmm. And say you've got Australia, New Zealand, you got Samoa, you got Tonga. There's four. You got PNG and Fiji. Yeah. That's six, right? Yeah. Then you invite say, I said on Twitter last night, I would invite. Uh, England and France, and a lot of people said, get rid of France, have Lebanon, right? Um, just invite them. You've got a, a short, quick, very com- much a much more competitive World Cup than we had have had for a long time. You get rid of all of the teams that we know are never, ever, ever going to win under any circumstances. You get rid of the teams that just turn up every single time and do nothing. You're saving money. It, you know, it's a, a much easier tournament to sell to broadcasters. I, I just think that we need to look at what we've got in International Rugby League and make the best use of what we've got for the least amount of money to spend because obviously spending tons and tons of money, it doesn't help what you see on the field. It doesn't make the tournaments any better. No. It, like the last World Cup is super, it's super forgettable. Like, you know, no one's going to be going back and look watching those games again. No. Um, I think though, if that's the case, we we definitely need to have the USA involved. Because there's a lot of, I mean, a lot of companies are over there, a lot of money's over there, and they do have untapped player markets that could be gotten into as i said the the nfl is a classic example okay uh, here's the thing about the u.s I, i'm i'm super cynical about a lot of things in rugby league at the moment it probably comes through hey <laughs> <laughs> when the usa can cut down to a dozen people that say that they're no, running no, no, rugby no. league over I'm, there i'm I'll fully on board with that. that i'm not talking about the usa rugby league competitions i'm talking about having a world cup over there and not oh, for the purpose like of tournament hosted there. Yeah, and the idea is, okay, all the nations that are there by getting interest in the sport there, all of these nations, you're thinking, okay, basically it's going to be Australia and England are going to be the two biggest recruiters of English rug, uh, of American rugby league players if we're going to turn American rugby league into something because Australia and England have got the two prominent rugby league competitions in the world. So. We need to get our guys over there, seeing seeing them play, set up some connections over there, some networks over there, get some of the American money into the game because that's money that's not currently in the game and there's a fuck ton of it. Try and get some of that going on. Try and get some shit blended together and hopefully 
by this proxy relationship between Australia, England and USA players, it gets the American Rugby League to realise we need to stop with this bullshit, all this political bullshit we've been going on for ever since day one, because I don't think there's ever been a time when they've finally got a competition up and running where they've only had one legitimate, recognised governing body running the game over there. And that needs to happen. I don't know why there's all this crap going on over there. I need to look into it further and find out why, because at the moment it's just getting so tedious, so frustrating and so annoying, yeah. and all it's doing is holding the game back. They should have had yeah. themselves set up 25 years ago. Think yeah. of where they'd yeah. be now if they had sorted that shit out 25 years ago. But here we are. Yeah, so. it's, it's ridiculous. And, it, like, if people within rugby league, like you and me, look at it and say – I'm actually bored with all of your bullshitting around. Imagine trying to recruit somebody into rugby league over there, into that crap. You know, like who? If you if you're a potential athlete that goes to someone and says, "Hey, what's this weird sport you've been talking about? Rugby league? Oh, that's interesting. Who runs it? Yeah. Oh, well, it's, I don't know. <laughs> like, what what's the main what's the main competition? Well, not really sure. Who's the champion? Well, there's about six of them. <laughs> it's just you a know, never-ending, pointless saga. And all it's done is completely destroyed any chance the US has had of actually doing something relevant and useful in the rugby league world. I mean, that World Cup we had over here in Australia the last not the last one, one before, when the USA set over their team and they had basically, um, you know, heritage players in their side, but they went into the finals, I think. Was that the the one before in England? I can't remember. There was one World Cup they went really strong. Might have been the one before in England. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was that one, yeah. But that was that was that, a that was something to build from. I know, I know. But that was that was a hammer from. blow to the local competition because all those local players that qualified. Got yes. rushed aside. Yes. But that could have also been an opportunity to go, you know what? We know we can produce players that can get us to where we need to be there. And they could have gone back and said, as much as it wasn't, you know, too many of our local guys in there, look what we did on the world stage in rugby league. Give us some money. And, you know, they could have done something with that. Instead, they just went, well, that was great. And then went back to the drawing board and then changed everything and then started infighting and then you know, what was the fucking point of that? The whole process was stupid. The, what the Americans have done to their own game when they're trying to get it established is nothing short of frustrating. I don't know what's more frustrating, them or what England's been doing to their own competition for the last 30 years, 40 years. How about, how about the fact that France hasn't turned up to play a fucking meaningful international against anybody for, like, decades now? Like, when was the last time France actually turned up and you thought, wow, France are on today? France look good. It's when been, they stopped like, playing against Australia, New Zealand and England all the time. Well, like, and when yeah. was that? That was, like, in the 70s. Uh, in, in the in the 90s, I started playing a lot more games against... Um, European nations and, and things like that. They were trying to spread. And mind you, it was them, again, spreading the game to new areas. They would take that ball and do that. But that seemed to be the only time they were competitive and strong and, and they were beating teams. And that was in the uh, – they were taking games to, to Russia, 
um, in very early 90s before anybody get... else thought about doing it. And sure, there could have been better places you're going to, but at least they were doing it. You know, that was something that England should have been doing because they had I the could... money and the resource and they weren't doing it. France were at least doing something about it. I could walk up my street right now and find, find 20 dudes that could be a team in Russia. Of course. But I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just so, I'm so fucking over the, the promises, you know, and, and the, like, we need to, we need to get back to real basics and have <laughs> a world cup that is actually functional, that doesn't lose, lose tons and tons and tons of money that people actually want to watch. Well, I think we've 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 come across part of the problem that is it goes for too long. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. But you need to and have like two, maybe three weeks absolute tops, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, I and reckon the, the, the third week would be finals where you spread the games out a bit more. But that's it. Two yeah. weeks all up for the first for the first two rounds should be the absolute maximum. It shouldn't go for a month. Yeah, I mean we had the the last World Cup where. The group stages were just a non-event, you know, and then we got to the finals and there were still a bunch of teams in there that were non-event teams. Yeah. Um, but we can't have that. We cannot no. have that. When you have people like you and me that are watching it and it's like, oh, yeah, I sat through that game last night. It was over after five minutes and then I sat there for the next, like, two hours just bored out of my mind, you know. Yeah. It's not good enough. And how can, you you know, how can anybody look at it and say, oh, that was wonderful. We need more of that. Let's try and sell that to the French government. The French government has looked at it and said, you lost how much money? And you want us to just hand that losses, the lost money to you. You just want us to say, oh, you lost millions of dollars. Okay, here it is. Of course they were going to say no. Yeah. You know, every, I would expect most governments to say, no, if I was a British taxpayer, I'd be really pissed off. How much money did they spend? Nearly all of it. They don't have much. They've got none left. <laughs> just just so people know, just in case they may not remember, because you'd be forgiven for forgetting about the World Cup. 24, 24 um, games were played before the finals, okay, in the last World Cup. Two of those games had a margin of six points or less. Mm. Yeah. Right? And then in the playoffs, there was, what, seven games? Yeah, seven games in the playoffs, and there was four games in there that had a margin of six points or less. And one of those was not the final. (laughs) Yeah. It was just, uh, you know, the final was like... I watched every single game of the World Cup by, by I think, three of them. And one of those I watched a replay, the full replay. And and even the final, like the final, just forgettable. And it's nothing against the teams that played or the players that played in it. But there just comes a point where you've got to ask yourself, what do we want out of a World Cup? You know, not what is the fantasy what do we want to do when it's World Cup time? Do we want to sit around watching a bunch of part-timers get flogged? Do we want to watch 
Luke Keery running around with a bunch of fucking plumbers and stuff and say, oh, isn't this wonderful? Or do we want to watch some good football and have people say, oh, did you watch the World Cup? See that game between, you know, Tonga and Fiji or Papua New Guinea and England and all. Like, that's what you want. You want people to actually want to tune into it because for all the wonderful goodwill and stuff that people go on about, none of it translates. Fucking none of it. I think at this stage what it's become, because of the eligibility criteria and stuff in play, it alienates a lot of local players in the, um, you know, the nations that aren't exactly in the top tier. So Italy, Greece, that sort of thing. Um, even Lebanon. Um, you know, so it, it alienates a lot of the local talent there that are doing a lot of that hard work at ground level in those actual countries because blokes playing in Sydney and Huddersfield and whatnot are being picked over them even though they don't play in the nation that they're representing. That, that That's a problem. I don't know how you overcome it because it, it's it's got, it's got pros and cons. The pros is it means that the performances on the field will be more competitive by having those players in there, mm-hmm. but that's the only pro. Um, but I, I see the World Cup, it's too much of a foregone conclusion these days for it to be about determining who the best team in the world is. We we basically know who it's going to be. We could have a basically a four-nations tournament to determine that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what this has got to be is a promotional thing to promote the game into new areas, which is the way I've seen it for quite a while now because, let's be honest, what's the other purpose for it? The only time we've been surprised by a World Cup was when New Zealand beat Australia. And, and even then... We knew that those two teams were going to be in the World Cup final before we got to the start of the, the World Cup tournament. Yeah, yeah. So, and, but yeah. if we like, there there are easier ways and less expensive ways to promote rugby league. Absolutely, there is, which is why it makes sense to make this thing a hell of a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. That way, it's a lot cheaper to run, and then it's easier to have it in other countries where you know, like the USA or Canada or France. If you made this thing a lot cheap, a lot smaller, a lot cheaper to run, but still had the same, you know, global audience, and you're still, you know, you're still getting two weeks of footy out of it, perhaps. That's probably a, a good, a good all-around situation. And if it means that when you're putting it on the the global stage, you're not putting out the bunch of games where teams are getting beat by 70, 60, 80, 90 points, you're having genuine contests. Yeah. That's an even better situation, an even better product. And then you're doing both promotional stuff and you're determining the best teams in the world. And you're adding, when you start getting it like that and you're making it cheaper to run, it's going to start making more profit as well because more people are going to get invested in it financially because they're going, well, look at this close competition. This is great. And all the people talking about it, that's where sponsors come in. No one's going to pour money into a game where, you know, two out of 24 games are close. Exactly. I, I think that this year's NRL competition shows that, like in the previous years where it was very lopsided, um, ratings and, and crowd figures and stuff weren't as good. This year when it is a very, very close competition, the ratings and crowd figures are fantastic because you you tune in and anything could happen. Anyone can beat anyone. The worst team in the competition beat the two-time premiers a few weeks ago, you know. 
if that yeah. can happen, anything can happen. So that's the sort of thing that gets people interested. Uh, and I think that far too often, I mean, you know, I, I remember during last year's World Cup and they would go to the stands and there'd be people from different parts of the world. And when we say different parts of the world, they lived local, but they were from a different part of the world, you know, and they were there with their flags and stuff when it was like, oh, isn't this a great story? And it's like, yeah, but this game just lost 80,000 pounds. You know, why don't we just give those people 10,000 pounds? That'd be fucking, they'd be really excited then. (laughs) It'd just, it'd be way cheaper. Probably would be, yes. Yeah. You know, if we want to, we want to make people happy about rugby league. There are way cheaper ways to go about it. But if we want to have a World Cup that people actually have an interest in and is good and it it gives us a world champion that we look at and we say, wow, they really slogged it out and had to beat a lot of good teams to win this thing, we're going to make major changes. Um, now, where would you hold the next World Cup then, 2025? I... Obviously, I'm sick of seeing it in Australia and England and probably even New Zealand. But because of what the Warriors did during COVID, mm-hmm. I'll be more than happy for the, the Kiwis to get a standalone World Cup, not one where Australia's playing in Australia. If if we're going to be sitting there and talking about introducing a second New Zealand team into the NRL, let's let's go and roll out the World Cup over there. And say, right, if you guys want to have a second a second NRL team, we're going to give you 31 World Cup games. We want to show you, we want to see you support those, all those games everywhere we play them. And if you do that, bam, you're in with a, with your, with a second NRL team. That's the test. Yeah. Um, but it'll be half-assed. They'll be like New Zealand and Tonga and maybe Samoa will probably play their games in New Zealand and the rest of them will be played in Australia. It'll be like the last one here. It'll be just, they'll just go through the motions. And if that's what happens, if they're not going to have any of the major stadiums involved on a regular basis, just just postpone it. It's not that important. I don't want to see that happen because what they did last time they brought it here was was just a joke. It really was a joke. And we've talked about this. If you wanted to go and watch Australia, just Australia play in the World Cup, you you would have had to have spent conservatively six grand to follow them around or a very big nation. And the people that ran the last World Cup down at this part of the world kind of forgot that. Yeah, yeah, it was dopey. Uh, Really dumb. Really, really dumb. I'm with you. If it's going to be New Zealand, put the whole thing in New Zealand. Let them have a World Cup final. Um, let yeah, them have every game of the tournament. And New Zealand's a very small nation, so it's not going to cost that much to move everyone around the whole, exactly. the whole country. You can exactly. put half the teams can be in the South Island, the other half in the North Island, and then have the final at, at Auckland. You know, it wouldn't be that much of a drama. And you're getting to play, you know, 12 games in the South Island, which is brilliant, and 12 around the major centres in the North Island. You know. So how many teams should you have at the next World Cup? Sorry? How many teams should you have at the next World Cup? Well, it's going to, I mean, I don't think there's much debate there. It's going to be the same as the last one. So it's still going to be 16 teams or whatever. 
I, 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 seriously, they if they don't change that, they they just they won't get another World Cup going. They're they not changing won't. it. They're not changing it. It's going to be the same process. So we're going to see basically all the same teams except uh, Greece and who is the other nation that came in? Jamaica. Those two spots that they took will be the only two I see that will be contested. I'd like to see um, Wales, Scotland, Ireland uh, all have to work a lot harder to get their spot in there. I don't think we need all three of those there. I'd be fine if one of them got through and we took another two teams out of the World Cup, so got it down to 14 teams. Um I'd even be for, even happier if we just had Great Britain come back and then we can get rid of those three altogether. And then you can prune it a little bit more then get down to a 12-team World Cup because I think 12 teams would be better than 16. I think 16 is just too much. The, no, the competition's not good enough at the moment for 12. But uh, 16, it's the gap was far too far too big for 16. So it needs to come back to 12. Um, I'd have Great Britain back. Wales, Ireland, Scotland can all go and roll into England. Have Great Britain in there. Um, you know, something like that. Why do you think they won't cut down the number of teams? Why? Yeah. Because, because the International Rugby League have got this impression that, uh, the international game is strong and getting stronger, and the best way to prove that is by having more and more teams in the World Cup and by having um, more and more options for teams who aren't in the last World Cup to get in there. You should see the amount of repercharge rounds and, and backdoor entries you can get to get into the World Cup. Um, so that's what it comes down to. They want to keep this thing getting bigger and bigger. They don't want to make it smaller and smaller. Making it smaller now for the International Rugby League, I think, in their eyes, would be an admission that the game is going backwards. Their their mindset is evidence that the game is growing and getting stronger is by how many teams we have in the World Cup. And that's not the right way to look at it. But I think yeah, that's the it, way they function. Well, in Look, in that case... And I've said this before, I, I think that Australia and New Zealand and some of the Pacific nations, uh, PNG and stuff, they should get together and, and form a block. And, and, you know, if they didn't play any part in what happens in international rugby league and put pressure on the international rugby league to make changes, because this should be a moment for the international rugby league to say, this is an unmitigated disaster. We yeah. handed the World Cup over to, to a nation that handed it back because the World Cup is just a loss-making venture they wanted nothing to do with. Um, there should be people that are sacked from their roles. They won't be. We know how the International Rugby League works. Um, We've known it's been a, a financial disaster for a few years. That's why the, the IRL put so little effort into the last World Cup they had here. And it, that's what needs to change. Like, it's so frustrating that you see it happen and you see how bad it is and you think, well, they've got to change that and it doesn't change. 
they're just doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yeah. Like, why are they doing that? Well, they talked themselves up last time about how great the last World Cup was. Yeah, and look, we were here. It wasn't great. Well, let's even say, okay, let's, for argument's sake, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say that they're right and it was a great World Cup. Mm -hmm. What have they done off the back of that? Jack shit. Yeah. How many international games have been played since that World Cup? Yeah, none. I think that there was like a couple of smaller nations. I don't even think they were involved in the World Cup. No, there hasn't been any yet. So England played France Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago and flogged them 64-0. That's it. Wasn't there there a couple of smaller nations played? Mm, No, there's a few coming up, but there's been none previously. Okay. So six months since the last World Cup, since the World Cup final, with no international football whatsoever. Yeah, Australia's got no plans to play anyone for forever at this point. (laughs) No, the... The women have played um, three internationals, mm-hmm. and the men have played one. So the Philippines women, they beat Greece. Um, the French women beat Serbia, or flogged them actually, and then the England women beat France. Mm-hmm. That's been it. Yeah, it's just... I just can't believe how poorly run it all is. It's weird when you think that something is going to get better. The weird thing is we've got so many more quality teams now than we had 20 years ago and and teams that can put on a really good show. Like you put on PNG versus Tonga tomorrow, damn it, it'd be a good game of footy. Yeah, our our top seven nations, okay, on the world rankings thing, our top seven teams would be able to play each other and, have, and more often than not, if you, if they played 10 games against one another, most of those games are going to be close contests. And that's Australia, New Zealand, Samoa, England, Tonga, PNG, and Fiji. Yeah, games that you want to watch. Games yeah. that you're like, oh, you know what? There's a bunch of quality plays in this side. Let's see what happens. Yeah, and then on the rankings, you look what happens after after that. Lebanon, they're a legit number eight team. I think that's where they belong. And then it's a drop down to France, and then it's Wales, Ireland, Cook Islands, only because the Cook Islands barely play games. Mm-hmm. Um, then Jamaica. And you see already the drop we're going through. Yeah. Italy, Serbia, Greece, Scotland, Netherlands, Malta, Turkey. Well, look, let's be you know, let's be honest. Jama- Jamaica couldn't play rugby league. There's a bunch of English, you know, English-based players. Yeah. So yeah. if they got in based on what what local competition, what local players are doing, then this World Cup was like what the Americans did that we spoke about before when they got in and used all of their heritage players. Yeah. It did nothing for them. And they've got to go through that process again and try and get back in again, which we've seen time and time again is a hard run for these teams that get in there. Mm -hmm. I think Greece might get back in, but I'm not sure if Jamaica will. And and as I said, like, people were like, oh, isn't it's a wonderful story in Greece. And you know what? Yeah, it was. Well, given what they, what they overcome, it was a great story. But also, Greece didn't do what Jamaica and some of the other European nations, like Scotland, Ireland, Wales did, okay? Greece played quite a fair bit of football to get to that point. 
They weren't just playing one-off games here and there and doing just the minimum amount in order to qualify. They were playing a lot of football to get there. Um, I guess a lot of a lot, a lot of odds. Whether they deserve to be there or, or whatnot in the end, that's a completely different discussion. But at least they were making the effort to playing a lot of football games, a lot of different teams, I guess a lot of different teams, in order to get there. They they were earning that spot. Mm-hmm. Um. Jamaica, less so. Even the Cook Islands did, didn't do a huge amount of work in order to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the problem with the whole situation at the moment. Ireland, Cook Islands, Jamaica, um, Scotland, Wales, these nations are not working as hard as some of the other nations below them. And I want to know why it is or how it is that they get in there. Well, we're not going to argue. If, we, if we're going to have to say, you know, who's going to win a game between, say, Ireland and Netherlands, mm. we, we know who's winning that game. It's not going yeah. to be you. It's, it's pretty clear cut. Yeah. But, but the there's, same got be a, there's got to be a system in place, surely. Yeah, but at the same time, would would Ireland beat the St. Mary Saints? <laughs> like, oh, they're a pretty strong side, the Saints. It, I, yeah, to be fair, they are. They are. <laughs> Biggest junior clubs in in you know Sydney, but uh, that's what I look at. Like I shouldn't be watching, and it's not just me, but I think that it's a bad thing for the game when people watch what is supposed to be the pinnacle of the sport, the World Cup, and they you can watch it, and an untrained eye can look at it and say, "Oh, this side's fucking hopeless," right? Yeah. You shouldn't be watching what's supposed to be the pinnacle of the sport and think to yourself, I wonder if this team would win a single game in the Ron Massey Cup. (laughs) It shouldn't be like that. No. I've had an idea for a tournament. Okay. This is completely off the charts. There's never been anything like this before. Because, look, my tournament is so scaled back, it is very simplistic. I understand that. Um, And if anyone doesn't like it, I don't give a fuck. I'm just over the the bloated bullshit. Okay. But I want to hear your tournament because your tournament sounds like it could be the way to go, and I haven't even heard it yet. All right. Well, we know they're going to stick with 16 teams, okay? So just for this World Cup, we stick Mm -hmm. with 16 teams, okay? But the top four teams, the teams who were in the semifinals in the last World Cup, so Australia, New Zealand, Samoa, and England, they're not involved in any of the pool games. Okay. Right? They come in when the first round of the final start. Mm-hmm. Right? The other 12 teams, they can have three pools. They play each other once in those pools. All right? And they then have... They then have a little... Uh, so we get the, the top... Let's see. Take the top... We've got four. We need to get to four teams... Okay, we we put them all on a combined ladder, and the top the top four teams go through. I don't care what group they're in; it goes on who's got the best win record out of those top four teams in their groups. So it might be that the you know one team in one group goes through, and two teams in another one goes through. So be it. You got the best win record out of those teams. There you go through those four teams then play against the four teams that were semi-finals last year, 
and that's the first round of the finals. Then we have semifinals and the final. We try and take the the four strongest teams out of the pool games. So you want to minimise the amount of floggings. I'm only I'm only talking about this next World Cup, right? Because too much of that's already set in stone. Once this one's out of the way, then for the next World Cup after that, twenty whatever it is, we need to start working on a reduced number of teams World Cup. And I'll, so the, for a reduced one, I'd probably go with eight teams. Everyone plays each other once, and then we just have the top two teams play each other in the final. See, my problem with your World Cup, right? It doesn't matter because I'm right. First, <laughs> first of all, how dare you? Okay. I just had to get that in there. Yeah, okay. that's what she said. The problem I have with your World Cup is that you want to take the best teams out of it for most of it. Yeah, what I want to do is okay. Here's the here's the point. Do those top four teams need to prove that they deserve to be there? They're going to be in the finals anyway, aren't they? No, but do we? Do the rest of the teams have to prove that they're shit? Yeah, we we know they're not. We know pretty much who the next four teams are going to be. In what there. if? Okay, what do you think that they would choose? Okay, here, here's the choice that they've got to choose. 16-team World Cup. Okay, you can all turn up. You can all go to the big shebang. Or we give you $1 million to stay at home. <laughs> now, now, it sounds silly, but I bet they would have lost a hell of a lot less money if they'd have just given a million bucks to Jamaica and Greece and Ireland and Wales and all these fucking crap teams if they'd given all of them a million dollars to stay at home, the World Cup would have cost less. Yeah, that's true. Isn't that insane? It is, yes. You Let's give them all a million bucks. You probably could have, could have given them all two million. Probably. That's the crazy thing. Like, how much could you have actually given them Yeah. to stay at home and, and, and made... If the cutoff point is you've, and we'll say in pounds because it was over in England, if the cutoff point is you've got to save one pound on what we did, how much could you have divvied up to all of those teams to just not play (laughs) and made more and lost less money than you did? I bet it's, I bet it's a crazy amount. I'm I'm doing a quick look here to see if there's anywhere I know there won't be no, where it says whether the World Cup ran out of financial loss or gain. We all know we all know how it works out. We find out about fucking six years later. Um, no, they've, they've already. Remember, hang on, hang on. Here's an article here. Okay, it's probably not as bad as you thought. Okay. Oh, no, God, that's an old one. Yeah. <laughs> 30th of May, 2001. And then no. I saw the name said Rodney Walker. And I went, yeah, yeah, that's an old one. <laughs> yeah, that's Sir Rodney Walker. He's, you know, great legacy for the game he left with his World Cup. Yeah, he used to say that. It was only $1.7 million in that one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. In other words, that's that's under the definition of cute. Yeah. It's a, that's what you call a start. Okay. In May last year, it says um, the International Rugby League 
had a 2.3 million pound debt before the World Cup. There you go. They should just be wound up. This is from the Love Rugby League website. Mm-hmm. It says, despite recording no turnover in a year decimated by COVID, its admin costs were more than £1.1 million. It follows a loss of £1.1 million in the 2019 financial year, meaning its balance sheet stands at just under £2.3 million. Okay, Andrew, we need to talk <laughs> about this. I'm rubbing my face. What the fuck are they spending a million pounds on? To administer nothing. Vending machines. (laughs) Fuck. 1.1 million pounds. That many of them. That's nuts. That's insane. How did they spend 1.1 million dollars when there was no games being played? Look, they actually spent 1.1 million dollars in 2019, 2018-2019, when games were being played. How did they spend 1.1 million dollars during COVID when there was not a game? There was only one game played. Yeah, nothing happened. Admin costs were more than one point one million. Oh, it's, when you say when you're dealing with that, it doesn't matter. It, like everything we've talked about, doesn't matter because idiots are running this thing, and they're just going to run it like idiots do. So it says here the IRL's costs largely comprised of its management team, grants payable to member nations and confederations, and the cost of third-party professional advisors. Following the rebrand from the RLIF, a UK-based company, IRL was created. Historically, the Federation's activities have gone through RLIF, an Australian-based company. The RLIF has since advanced $2.9 million Australian dollars of its $3.4 million assets as financial support to the UK company. The Australian company was charged or has charged £108,000 in interest on this support in 2020. It is expected that revenues from the World Cup will allow the IRL to repay its loans to the RLIF. So the RLIF still exists, and it's an Australian-run company. I had no idea about this. This is fascinating. And worrying all at the same time. I'm out. I'm sorry, I'm out. (laughs) I'm out, Andrew. The IRL's run, what is it? It's annual report for 2021. I want to see the 2022 one. Where's that? Let's just change the URL. Page not found. <laughs> oh, shock horror. Didn't release that one. Uh, that's incredible. <laughs> so the International Rugby League Federation exists. It is an Australian company. The, uh, the International Rugby League is a UK-based company. Is okay. Yeah, I think the International Rugby League is a UK-based company, but the International Rugby League Federation. Yeah, was Australian based. It's yeah. an Australian based company that actually still exists. And actually had money in the bank because it gave $2.9 million of its $3.4 million in assets as financial support to the UK company, which is already $2.3 million in debt. Which, but they will pay that back oh. when they get the profits from the World Cup that didn't actually make a profit. Yeah, with, there's no. Nowhere written anywhere whether the World Cup made a profit or a loss. Yeah. Well, we know it made a loss because the French government looked at the books and said, what's what's French for fuck off? <laughs> um, yeah, it's crazy. Fuck off, they said. It is crazy. So that's... And this is the, these are the people running this shit. <laughs> 
I don't know how they run up such a massive debt. It's in, when one of those years there was not a single game played. You couldn't even travel. Why? So I suppose it also asks the, begs the question: Why was the IRL set up when there was already an RLIF? It's a really good question. Probably because it wasn't British enough. And, and why? Why did we transfer from Australia? where rugby league is at its strongest and it's the financial basis here and everything, and it's closer to all of the rugby league powerhouses and and transferred it over to a new company in the UK that is losing a million pounds a year, even if nothing happens. Yeah. This is an interesting quote here. Exciting international content for 2023 and 2024, in addition to the recent historic Tongan Tour of England, will be announced publicly shortly, which will be the front end of our much-needed and highly anticipated calendar. Right, let's have a look at the fixtures page on the uh, International Rugby League website. Current year. Let's have a look at all of the nations here. Current year, all nations, all competitions. Let's have a look. Uh, there's nothing coming up. Serbia beat Greece. Uh, a few days ago, 40 to 6. Okay. All right, well, that was great. Congratulations, Serbia. Yeah, and uh, looking forward to the, uh, you know, few million few million pounds that the uh, IRL will get out of that game to pay back the RLIF. <laughs> that, game, that game cost 250,000 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? That's insane. Where's this great calendar? The World Cup legacy. Remember the World Cup legacy they carried on with? There's there's nothing. At least the Salford Roosters got a isn't that wasn't that the team? <laughs> yeah, they got they, the They got a new equipment shed. Yeah. And that was fucking expensive, that equipment shed, too. <laughs> that was about £37,000, wasn't it? Yeah, it was ridiculous <laughs> amount of money. Um, yeah, I'm at a loss over that. That's crazy. Yeah, that, yeah, that I am, too. I don't even know what to say. Um, it's... Uh, wow, eh? It's shocking. <sighs> <sighs> so, yeah, um... No wonder the International Rugby League is kind of shocked that the French government turned down the offer of undercutting all of the losses for another World Cup because they just run on losses every year. That's right, like yeah. they, they Imagine losing, being part of a, a tiny organisation that is run on a part-time basis that loses a million pounds a year. That's kind of impressive. It is, I guess. Um, but it's that's the thing, though. It's just administrative waste of money. Mm-hmm. It's just something that English rugby league officials just know how to do so much better than the ones in Australia. Remember when, when Todd Greenberg was running the NRL in yeah. his final days and the media were howling, mostly because they didn't know how to read a balance sheet. Um yes. But they were howling about the admin costs in the NRL. Yeah. It's interesting how they're absolutely stone fucking quiet about what's going on in the International Rugby League and no one's asking any questions over there. That's very true. And 
like a lot of the stuff that they were howling about they were saying was a loss making venture was the setting up of the NRL digital arm yeah which ended up being scrapped by uh Peter Volandis because he was pressured to do that by broadcasters so yeah. that ended up being just a wasted cost unfortunately right. yeah um and they they the broadcasters said they didn't want to have to compete with the NRL so the NRL said, "Fine, we'll just burn all that money." Yeah, and well, well I mean, first of all, they went, out... "We'll burn that money. We'll then mm. get rid of the competition that we're creating for you, and then we'll give you a discount on your TV rights deals." Yeah, and the 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 funny thing was, all of those broadcasters were like, "Our our uh, coverage of the game will improve, and it has been trash." And they've also said how great Peter Volandi's anus tastes. Yeah, they can't stop praising him, hey? Yeah. Oh, it's sick. Can you imagine, sick. though, like, it, like they they literally have saved hundreds of millions of dollars because of him. It's no wonder they love him. Yeah, that's exactly right. And they know that if they tell him to do something, he'll jump and do it because he loves yeah. being told he's how great he is by the media. Exactly. The ego on that fucking idiot. Anyway. Um, isn't, it, isn't it weird how, some, like, with rugby league... It can be, like I think it's fair to say rugby league is bigger and better than it's ever been at any point in its history. We've got, I mean, the NRL is just absolutely flying, and we've got more top tier rugby league nations than we've ever had before, and yet we can do a podcast like this where you just like think to yourself. What's the fucking point? <laughs> like, what is the point? How can we not run is, a World Cup? All it takes is one person with just an ounce of business, you know, now into International Rugby League and just go, oh, I'm going to see what you're doing wrong here. Let's just do this and fix this straight away. And boom, look at that. We're making money. It seems yeah. like it would not be that hard to do. And yet here we are. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's it's kind of, it's it's very sad really because it would be so easy to make it good. I remember uh, a number of years ago, I might have written an article about this on my website where I felt like, if we had an international governing body, it should have been a professional administration that was set up and run out of Brisbane. And it should have been funded by the NRL. And it just would have been a pure administration. Um, and it would have done things like uh, helped other nations get sponsorship, uh, set up test matches, things like that. Um that would have been a far better option than what we've got now, which is the International Rugby League who can burn through a million dollars while there's one test match played and no one yeah. can travel around the world. Like, you can't even say, oh, well, they spent heaps of money going to meetings and stuff. You couldn't leave your own country. So it wasn't that. Hey, I did meetings with them over Skype. I didn't get a cent for it. It's not that hard to do. Um, Dude, what? like, did... Maybe, like, you could have been earning hundreds of thousands of pounds. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> crazy. But, uh, 
I, don't, I just think that, I don't know, an easy way to go about this is a system they had in place for mm-hmm. decades, and that was um, you just tweak it, okay. But what they had for decades there was the Test Nations, which for a long time was just New Zealand, France, Australia, England, or Great Britain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The heads of those leagues were the four board members for yep. the International Rugby League. And the good thing about that was you had two in the Northern Hemisphere and two in the Southern Hemisphere. I can't see why we can't do something like that now. And the only tweak you'd make is hire one person, independent, from all the leagues and from all the countries. Just I'm here to represent, you know, purely on a business basis and to have the deciding vote because you didn't have an odd number of people there on how we run the, the sport globally. And that would be mm-hmm. the only person paid within the IRL. Because the rest of the people running all the individual competitions around the world would be the other board members. So you've got all the vested interests in there and one person who's got half a brain saying, okay, well, this is how we're going to do it then. Mm -hmm. Boom, do that. I can't see why that wouldn't be so hard to do. That would be cheaper, easier. It worked for so long. International Rugby League used to be great for decades. And sure, there were far less nations involved. But travel was a lot harder to do and a lot more expensive to do, especially yeah. when, you know, it took like eight weeks to get a fucking boat from Australia to England. Yeah. You know, we still promoted the game like never before in that period and made it stronger and stronger and stronger. Like, it's pretty clear to see that this, the game of rugby league evolved and strengthened so so much from 1908 to, say, 1968. Mm-hmm more so than the the strength that we've seen in the last 30 or 40 years where you can fly everywhere and it's, you know, it's cheaper to fly and all sort of stuff and getting around's a lot easier and there's more nations so you don't have to go as far to play another international team. You can just go on a short flight to find another one, even if you're Australia. Um, you know, so it's it's crazy to think that the old method with all of the hurdles in the way, produced better growth and better strengthening and um, better promotion of the game globally than whatever yeah. it is they're doing now, with everything being a hell of a lot easier now. Yeah, and I, look, I think that when you consider that, everyone has to have a good look at themselves and consider what they're doing wrong, every nation. Um, you know, a lot... A lot gets lumped on Australia, and I think unfairly because, like, I know in my lifetime I've only ever seen Australia not turn up and play their guts out in a a test match once, and it was against New Zealand. I think that was the game they lost 24-0 from memory. Yeah. And I remember it because it stands out because you watched it and you were like, what's going on? Like, Normally, Australia, to beat Australia, normally you have to play your ass off um, because Australia's going to turn up. They're just going to be there and they're going to, that's why they're so good, you know? Um, But then you look at a team like New Zealand, they turn up every so often, you know? You look at a team like Samoa, they turned up at the last World Cup eventually, but for the most part, they're pretty disappointing. PNG always turns up. PNG is always ready to rock and roll. France, they they don't turn up anymore. 
Um, Tonga turns up, which is great. I Fiji, think the problem, for the most part, turns up. You know. I, think, I think the problem with France, and this is largely their own doing, is that they're bored playing England. And the only other nations they're willing to play against are other nations within Europe who yeah, are you, a long way below you, where they are. And so they don't want to play there because they don't want to go out and flog someone. They want to have a close contest. But the only team willing to play against them is England, and England and France are both bored of playing one another. And so they've got to this point where the game they had this year, they both fielded, like, second-string sides, basically. And it's just thought, what a waste of time. And they got beaten 64-0. Yeah. And, but do you remember when, I think it was 2019, um, in Wollongong, and they sent a, an international side over to play the junior kangaroos, and they got yes. flogged in that game. Yes. Um, but we knew that was going to happen. Yeah, but the, the thing is, when does France improve? I, I'm just at a point like I know I know I've been very negative in this episode, but I like I don't owe anything to these fucking people, you know, and and I like I've put too much faith in the hope that a lot of these nations will improve, that the World Cup will go forward, that it'll be exciting to watch and stuff, and after watching the last World Cup and how many teams just we're hopeless. How many teams just didn't bother turning up? Like it's the fucking World Cup, France. How about you pull your fucking socks up and play half decent? They didn't even look fit. And it's too much of that where I've just got to a point where it's like, do something for me now. Now you do something for me because we're at a point now where the 2025 World Cup is up in the air. France was going to host it. They've said they're not going to do it now. And I, I don't know that I care anymore, hey. Well, like, do you, are you really – like, it, it's kind of sad. It would have been cool to have the, the World Cup in France, but do you really care too much? I, I want to see the game being promoted mm-hmm. in areas yeah. where it needs to be promoted. Okay, that's mm-hmm. what I want to see, and that's what I see the World Cup as. It's a promotional thing. So, yeah, I'd have liked to have seen it played um, in either the USA or in France because I'm, I want to see the game being promoted in those two. I'd be more excited about seeing it being promoted in the USA, and I know that that's where this World Cup was initially going to be but didn't get across the line with their financial modelling. No surprises there. Yep. Um, so it was disappointing that France didn't get it either. It just means that because of the financial burden of it, it's never going to be played in anywhere other than New Zealand, England, and Australia, which I think is just, I don't know, it just makes it boring for me now. I don't even it's care who's boring. in it. Yeah. I yeah. want to see it being played somewhere new. I want to see people getting exposed to this game. You want to see people from other countries getting to see this game firsthand in their backyard. Like It would be great yeah. to see, you know, as, as we are saying in previous episodes, it would be great to see World Cup games being played in the USA, Canada, um, or... You know, France, Catalonia, you get the old game there. That would have been bloody awesome. Yeah. And games at those new venues and, oh, it would be fantastic. And instead, we're just going to get basically what we had in the last Australian World Cup. And that's just dull. And if we don't get that, it's going to be the last English one where they keep telling us about how great it's gone all the time, but then they don't tell us how great it actually went. Yeah, they refuse to, to answer the questions about mm. it. 
And, and my, meanwhile, you're watching on TV, and it's just it's just a non-event. If they, they tell us how great it was, though, oh, the crowds yeah. this and the crowds that, and everything's great and fantastic. And yeah, it might be, but we you know. I heard a lot of people were very, very unhappy with the ticket prices. Mm-hmm. They were very, very overpriced. Um, for what reason? I know yeah. to repay that debt that you shouldn't have had in the first place. Come on. If if they announce the next World Cup, say tomorrow they say the World Cup is coming to Australia in 2025. How excited are you? Yeah. Yeah, same here. I just don't care. I'll, it's not just if it comes here, okay? They they need to have a plan as to where they're going to be playing games. I don't mind if they take games to, um, you know, out, outside of Sydney, Brisbane, and they take them mm-hmm. to other areas, even regional areas. I don't mind that. But you can't do it for the majority of the games, and I want to see that stuff being made clear as early as possible and promoted for as long as possible, as strongly as possible, so that there's a chance that you can get, you know, people can plan to come to these games and go visit them and check them out. And, you know, I don't want to see exorbitant ticket prices. Prices for these games should not be that high. No, no. Yeah. And, and main, I, I think, sorry, go on. I was going to say, the main, price, the main focus should be, let's at least cover the cost of the ground higher, which should not be that high and shouldn't be, shouldn't, incorporate too much of the ticket price and then put like 10% on top of it and, you know, we make a little bit of money out of it. Save your higher ticket prices for the finals and stuff like that. That's where you're going to make your cash because you're not going to, if you do it that way, you're not going to run a, run at a loss for all of the cup games or the, sorry, all the, you know, lead-up games. You make all your money in the finals. When you're going to get huge grand, huge crowds in huge stadiums, that's when you're going to make your money. I, I think that if they do play it in Australia, and we know it's coming to Australia, like what are they going to do? Play it in fucking England again? Um, but if it comes to Australia and New Zealand, because they'll give the Kiwis a few games, um, going back to where you have teams stay in a certain region or groups played in a certain region is what you've got to do. Um, I think that you just have to bite the bullet and there's some places that won't get games. You can't look at the map and and put pins on the map. You know it's it's got to be done so that uh, where rugby league is strong and people have an interest in the sport that you're going to play most of the games. I th- think the last World Cup we had over here wasn't there like three games they played in Sydney all up. Yeah, was something silly, something silly like that, which it was. was mm-hmm. Yeah, it was minor. It was just it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Was that, 2000, so, was that the 2008 World Cup? No, no, that was the 2000, was it 2013 World Cup, I think. No, 2008 was Australia. Yeah. And then was it 2013 it was, England? And, and then it was the one after that. 2017. 2017, yeah, that one. That was yeah, the one where they, that was the one where they had the, the games scattered everywhere and you couldn't. You couldn't follow anyone. Yeah, let's see. They had England played Lebanon in Sydney. What venue was that at? That's at Stadium Australia. Oh, no, that was at the Sydney Football Stadium. Mm-hmm. Australia played Lebanon, I think, at the Sydney Football Stadium. Yes. 
And no, that was it. That was the two games in Sydney. Just and I think there was a semi final. Uh, nope. Semi final. No. There wasn't a semi final. No. So the, the qualifying finals were Darwin, Christchurch, Wellington, Melbourne, and the semis were at Brisbane and Auckland, and the final was in Brisbane. Wow. So that, it was just two so, games in Sydney. That's what was crazy about it. Yeah. In, England played Lebanon and Australia played Lebanon in Sydney, and that was it. That's crazy. And that's Lebanon's insane. other game was in Canberra. Which is 300 kilometres away. Yeah. Well, this is a crazy thing. If you wanted to watch Lebanon play, you had the easiest run because you went to Canberra, Sydney, then Sydney. But then when they made the, the, the finals... They then played in Christchurch. And that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing that's nuts, is if you're here watching your, your nation play and you're supporting them, you have to somehow book a flight to Christchurch as soon as you find out that they've made that, you know, they've made that um, that match, which is if you're waiting on the last game, that was six days before the final was played. So you've got six days to book a flight to Christchurch and a hotel to go over there and watch them play. Knowing that if they won that game, you've then got to come to Brisbane or Auckland. So you've got to book another flight. Yeah. And you, again, you've got another week to do that. And if they win that one, you're definitely going to Brisbane. So you'd want to hope that they're not going to Auckland, they go to Brisbane so you can get two games in a row there. <laughs> that so was just stupid. It really was. Do do the Australian one, because like... I remember when they announced the World Cup and I was like, I'm going to go to heaps of games. I'm just going to spend so much money. I'm going to see as many World Cups of games as possible. And then the draw come out. And I was like, I'm not fucking rich. Okay. The first game was against England in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. They then played against France in Canberra. Mm-hmm. They then played against Lebanon in Sydney. Mm-hmm. They played their qualifying final against Samoa in Darwin. <laughs> They then played their semi-final against Fiji in Brisbane and the World Cup final against England in Brisbane. There you go. <laughs> they almost made it to every capital city. This is so silly. <laughs> if, they, if they could have made their semi-final a game in Perth instead of Brisbane. Yeah. Perfect. Icing <laughs> on the cake, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was absolutely ridiculous. That must. I wonder if you look at all of the like sporting World Cups that have ever been played before. I wonder if a winner of any World Cup during a World Cup tournament has travelled the same distance that Australia had to travel well, in that World Cup. In fact, England is probably worse. Okay, and okay. think about an English fan having to come over here. Okay, and the money they're going to have to spend on this journey. Mm-hmm. They opened at Melbourne. Yep. Their second game was in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Their third game was in Perth. <laughs> their fourth game was a qualifying final in Melbourne, and then they played the semi-final in Auckland and the final in Brisbane. Oh, that's in, that's absolutely insane! How fucked is that? That is insane. Like, you could not. You could not hate on any English fan for saying that the World Cup in Australia was stupid when you know that they had to go through that shit if they got here to follow that team around. Yeah, yeah. That was wow, nuts. That's crazy. I met up with um, one of the guys involved in Wales, the Welsh Rugby League website. 
mm-hmm. and he was trying to follow Wales around. Mm-hmm. And they opened their, their tournament that year in Port Moresby. Yeah. Um, oh, this, this was ridiculous because I remember him telling me. They then played against Fiji in Townsville. Um, game three was against Ireland in Perth. Whoa. <laughs> and then he had to cover um, England's game in the in the finals because Wales didn't make the finals, obviously. So then he had to cover England after that because he was here doing media stuff. So he's gone yeah. Port Moresby, Townsville, Perth, and then he's come over here to go and cover England in the finals, which was Melbourne, Auckland, Brisbane, and then fly back to England. Far out. They just, and then we wonder why the World Cup loses so much money. Yeah, this is what they, this is a stupid thing they do, and they bring it down here to Australia. And this is what I hate about them doing it over two countries. It's yeah. not, it's not feasible. Not in no. Australia. You can do this sort of stuff in England because the country, all the major cities where rugby league is played, are so much closer together. You can do it bus trips and get it covered, and it's not going to cost that much. Which is why it yeah. gets me how much the cost of World Cups over there. Over here, I can understand the cost of it when they're going to be playing in all these cities around this massive fucking country. And then you're throwing games games to be played in Port Moresby and in four regional centres, major centres in New Zealand as well, across two different islands. The fuck? Yes. What chance have you got? None. None whatsoever. And then they've like got games just, in Cairns and Townsville, so you can't even get an international flight to some of these places. You've got to go and fly to a major centre and then get another flight. And then get <laughs> another flight, yeah. It's, it's, uh, and then they wonder why, you know, the crowds are low and then the, the games are blowouts and they wonder why people aren't watching on TV and then they're paying for all these travel costs and they're wondering why they're not making money. Yeah. And then they do it all again. <laughs> <laughs> it's nuts. Look, yeah. the way they structured that one in Australia in 2017, it was almost like they did it intentionally mm. to be so detrimental to the game of International Rugby League that they were hoping that International Rugby League would come to them and say, look, we don't want to have the World Cup in Australia ever again. Yeah. But that's, that's kind of the impression you got, the amount of movement going around everywhere. They just went, we don't want to have this, so we're just going to make it as painful as possible for everyone. They did bugger well, all promotion said, of it. I was willing, I was ready and gearing up when they announced it was going to be here. I was like, I'm going to spend thousands. And then when they announced the draw, it was like, I'm not even close to being able to do any of what I wanted to do. And so I just had to watch it all on TV. Going to the the first three games, you just spent a few thousand. Melbourne, Melbourne, Canberra, Sydney. But even the ones that are in Sydney, like, you know, watching Australia play Lebanon, you know, and flog Lebanon. I'm not interested in going to see that, and I wasn't. I definitely wasn't going to watch England. <laughs> Only watch professional football players. <laughs> nice, nice. But yeah, that was that was fucked. Um, yeah. I'm hoping that yeah, if they do take it, bring it down here, then it is hosted entirely in New Zealand. My New, Zealand case, New Zealand deserves it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. My best case scenario is that the International Rugby League gets dissolved because of its debts. The NRL takes over running the World Cup and they just run it. Yeah. Could they do any worse? 
Oh, like it, there's no way the NRL could do any fucking worse. Surely not. And I saw a press release that New Zealand put out, the New Zealand Rugby League put out, about saying they wanted to be involved in maybe hosting the World Cup. And all I could think of was New Zealand doesn't do anything. You know, New Zealand will be told by Australia whether they <laughs> host games. New Zealand doesn't do anything. No. Um, yeah, I think I think the Kiwis deserve one after all this COVID shit that went on. Yeah, I agree. I so agree. I, the whole thing. The whole thing. Yep. Not a single game in Australia. No. No. Um, but yeah, that would be the only way I'd work on it. And for the one after that, they need to restructure it. Less teams. Um, shorter, shorter duration. Um, and pick somewhere new. And give them. I don't care if you're going to give them an extra year or two to build up the the financials and the structure and everything like that to make sure that it does work and it does work as a financial gain, not as a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd be looking at at the USA first and foremost, trying to figure out a way to make it work over there. Um, and you just, you just got to get sponsors in the US involved in it. And it could be something like you know Coke or Pepsi or something like that. Say, look, will you be the major sponsor? We'll even let you have naming rights over the trophy if you want. You know, whatever it is, whore whore the thing out as much as you need to just to get some of those sponsors on board. I also think that look to hold it in a region, you know, hold it on the west coast of the US, hold it it all in Texas, hold it all in the the northeast. Like, um, if if you're going to – don't look at it and put fucking pins on a map – (laughs) <laughs> you know, if because because you're going to have to focus your marketing. You can't focus it across the entire US. You'd have to focus it on a region, um, and, and that's the way I would do it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you don't have them traveling around too much. You don't want to go and have games in Jamaica for the sake of it, or you know, <laughs> yeah, you don't have too many trips to Canada if you can help it. You know, let Canada play there, I guess, and have. Maybe the teams that are in their group be based in Canada. That way, there's only three or four teams playing there. Well, if you if you played in the the northeast of the United States, you could have, you know, games in in Toronto and well, yeah. in Detroit and things like that, and and that it'd all be around the same area. You know, I guess they would call it the Midwest. You know, I kind of think of it as the the uh, northeast of the the country, but um, so there is that that you could do something like that, but it's they won't do that. No, it's going back to England after we've had it, <laughs> <laughs> and it will stay in England. But maybe look at has the future has like the if we didn't play a World Cup for another eight years, would you be shocked? No, not at all. No, neither would I. It has that feeling about it. Especially, yeah, especially now that they know that it's governments are saying no to it. Yeah. That's pretty hard to overcome. And I doubt the UK government will be as willing to tip money into it the next time around, given that they didn't get – I assume they didn't get much. If they did get a return out of it, it wasn't much. Yeah, I would be shocked, especially yeah. when you look at the the way the economy has tanked since – you know, not just as much since the last World Cup, but when it was announced and they made all of the deals, 
that were in place and then we had COVID and then, you know, the economies have tanked across the world, basically. Yeah, it's not been great. No, um, no. And I think the the worst part is, the, you know, I think we've kind of made the point a few times all over is that, you know, your World Cup should be a promotional thing and you should be doing work off the back of it. And there's just been no international rugby league off the back of this thing. Mm-hmm. None of the teams that competed in that World Cup have played an international match since. And that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, well, Greece recently, but that's it. And the, the most that we've seen is like a promise that there's going to be announcements that some teams will play. It's, it's just so piss weak. Yeah, it really is. It's very disappointing. So, I don't know. Maybe we could just go straight ahead with the old Mortal Kombat system. Why not? But, you know, in order to make it financially viable, when you lose, you do get murdered brutally in, in very very horrific and very graphic manner. You just, and you, Yeah, so you lose any chance of... Uh having to pay for accommodation on flights home. Yeah. That would that would be a definite solution. Yeah, I'm up for it. <laughs> well, it's been a really cool, cheery episode, hey? <laughs> it has. We, we got it off to a, we got it to a good point in the end. A bit of blood and We gore. did. We did. That's um, all you can hope for. If it was based on Mortal Kombat, I don't know what your Mortal Kombat history, uh, knowledge is like, but who would Australia be? Which character? Um, I used to use who's the dude that I oh, can't remember his name now. He used the electricity. Oh, uh, Raiden. Raiden, yeah. I I always felt like Raiden was the best one. The Thunderbolt. And, and so I would say that Raiden is Australia. Raiden's Australia. Yeah, but I like that's I played the uh the original Mortal Kombat, so I don't know the new new people that are in it. See, what you're telling us is um, you're either into retro games or you're really, really old. (laughs) 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 All those people who thought you were 22. Who is Sonya? (laughs) No, she was in the original one. Yeah, no, I'm saying who, like, which... She was some special forces. She was some special forces um, character. She was chasing Kano around, trying to arrest him with some criminal. Yeah, see, that, that I was I was out by that stage. See, Kano. Kano's a fucking beast, man. Oh, see, I, I, I'm from he, the original. He's, he's been an absolute shit character for nearly all of the Mortal Kombat games until the last one or two came out, and they actually were decided, you know what, we're going to give him both an Australian voice yeah, and Australian content. Okay. He's an absolute just... Um, He's just, he's just an Australian prick, and he likes drinking mm-hmm. beer and being an absolute prick. Um, he's fucking hilarious. He's the only character in the whole thing that's got charisma. Oh, really? He sounds a lot like me, actually. He's brilliant, man. <laughs> he's brilliant. Seriously, I, I, know, I know every time someone recommends a YouTube video to you, everyone just goes, yeah, whatever, I'll check it out, and they ignore it. But if you ever get a chance to, check out uh, video clips of Kano in, what is it, Mortal Kombat 11. Mm-hmm. Um some of the shit he says to other people, man, <laughs> especially to the female characters. Like, no, part really. Of, part of his, like, every single character has got this thing they do, you know, 
little animation they do before the match starts when they sort of get int- introduced. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the ninja guys are coming out and they're doing like fancy moves and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Kano's is usually just taking a piss on the ground. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Back to camera. He's taking a piss. He does that whole, you know, zips up his flight. Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) I'm ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, man. You've got to check it out. It's brilliant. But there we go. We're finished on Kano. Mortal Kombat's more exciting than a Rugby League World Cup, let's face it. We need to find a way to incorporate the two. We've been on for a while now. I agree. I'm all in on that. All righty. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um, Make sure you check us out on all the socials. And uh, we'll wrap this baby up.